Mr. Pop. Dark. Hello and welcome to Miskatonic University Radio, a podcast exploring Fantasy Flight Games' Arkham Horror the Card Game. I'm Dane. I'm Dan. And I'm Ben. And today, we're going to take a look at the player cards in the newest Mythos pack, A Thousand Shapes of Horror. And I gotta say right off the bat, that is a very specific number of shapes. Like Not 999. Yeah, isn't that a little bit weird? Like, why are there exactly a thousand? Not 627. I mean, you're a mathematician, Dan. How many shapes are there? Like, is this a small amount of the total number of shapes? There are exactly 700,045 shapes. Hmm, okay. Period. Does that include the non-Euclidean ones? Uh, that includes both Euclidean, non-Euclidean, hypergeometric, and uh, spicy shapes. Hmm. I feel like that might not be entirely accurate. I think, well, <laughs> then why don't you go to school and get a PhD in math, and maybe then we can have a fun little debate about it. How about that? Uh, anyway uh, uh right. regardless thousand thousand shapes we'll, we'll see that's all I, that's all i have to say to fantasy flight games we'll see we'll see if there's really <laughs> a thousand shapes for now though we should probably start talking about the cards right yeah let's do it <laughs> that's what this episode was 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 intended on doing i mean we could also just talk about shapes i have a lot of thoughts about shapes but no let's let's go ahead and talk about these cards Shapes are pretty cool so the first card is tetsuo mori uh is a guardian asset cost three one intellect icon uh it is an ally and police tetsuo mori may be assigned damage and or horror dealt to other investigators at your location Reaction, when Tetsuo Mori is defeated, choose an investigator at your location. That investigator searches either their discard pile or the top nine cards of their deck for an item asset and adds it to their hand. Shuffle their deck if it is searched. And it has two health, two sanity, and takes up the ally slot. Uh, interesting. What do we think about Tetsuo Mori? He's a little too noble for his own good. He's also carrying a flashlight. I don't know if that's relevant, <laughs> but he is. Well, it's because a flashlight's an item, so you can pick it up. There you go. After he dies, you pick up his flashlight and keep going. So <laughs> definitely, I mean, definitely a pretty solid Tommy card, right? Yeah, he can get a net gain of money out of it, and it can help him dig for those items that have been shoveled back into his deck, like Leather Coat or uh, Cherish Keepsake or whatever. I was also just thinking, if you're trying to do a Tommy deck where you're going all in on Becky, like you want as many things to try to help you find it as possible. Yeah, uh, so this will help with that. And maybe if you can ask your Mandy to like help help you out when you trigger this, maybe... That doesn't I... sound likely to happen. <laughs> <laughs> to dig for extra cards or dig deeper but you know yeah no, i think, we'll I think it's pretty we'll neat see. yeah definitely good for tommy uh it's also could be like a card that you like get before you get brother xavier like if you're like planning to upgrade into him because it has a similar type of uh soak damage from other people effect but it is cheaper than brother xavier like brother xavier yeah. is five which is just so much three is like still not cheap for guardians but it's a lot more doable what does it say about you as a player if you play a deck that in which you just want to murder all your allies I mean, it means you're Tommy and you're a cop, right? Or you're playing with the uh, decorated skull, right? Oh, yeah. I guess that's true, yeah. Outside of Tommy, do, do we think there's this has any solid uses? Any any cool combos we can think of? I mean, with William Yorick, it could, like, find items or something. I, I think he needs, like, beat cops and stuff. Like, I that's the thing. I think there's already other Guardian allies that are pretty good that actually do damage or give you plus combat. So I think this is kind of, like probably good for tommy and i'm not really sure if i'd play it in anyone else but i don't know you could do it as an alternative to running like ammo cards because you can like search your discard pile for stuff that's true so like if you're like 
playing big weapons or weapons that have that you are consuming and then forcing them to be discarded, then you can use this to like get pick those out of the discard again or something. That is a good point. It's a little bit tricky because you do have to pay for it again and you have yeah. to kind of time it right. Like you have to use up the last of your ammo and then Tetsuo dies, but it's yeah, it's an interesting alternative to like venture and stuff. I think if there's people who have particularly high value assets, like I was thinking in first in terms of if there's any like mystics that could play this with like grotesque statue or something, and that would only be like Diana. But if there's something like a flamethrower that you need to get out of the bin and you didn't really necessarily want to like include like the ammo cards like Ben said or wait a second otherwise this is choose and investigate at your location I overlooked that so you can trigger this on anybody yeah when this guy dies so I think that opens up a lot more combos right you can use it on Mandy and then Mandy can use the ability on herself to <laughs> get stuff out of her discard pile I don't to know. get a magnifying glass back that she discarded to a blood right I, I uh I mean, I guess there's also the other relevant text in which it can be assigned damage and horror dealt to other investigators, so it's a little bit easier for it to be killed. Kind of like tr- the True Grit thing or the Brother Xavier thing like we were talking about earlier. Right. Well, it's kind of like what you were saying with uh, it's sort of like a cheaper Brother Xavier in, in that sense. But yeah, 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 yeah. It seems like it can do a lot of stuff. It just can't do all that stuff too strongly. Yeah, and I just keep coming back to the fact that it doesn't uh, it doesn't give you like plus combat or do damage or anything, which kind of means I think it kind of takes a backseat to the cards that do. But like I said, I would still probably play it in Tommy. Yeah, this seems like probably the best like bang for its buck in Tommy, right? I mean, Ben was playing Madame LeBranche in Tommy so that he can get the two and two <laughs> for three. Like, come on. Yeah. I, I think Tetsuo is definitely just straight up better. Yeah, no, he's definitely good in Tommy. I was just trying to think it's of pretty good. other use cases for him because he's obviously like a good strong pick for Tommy. So yeah. yeah. Should we uh should we move on? Yeah. So the next card is Fool Me Once. It is a Guardian event, level one, costs one resource to play. It commits for one wild symbol. It is an insight and a tactic. It's fast, and it says play when you would discard a treachery card after resolving any of its effects. Put Fool Me Once into play in your threat area and attach that treachery to it. When any investigator draws a copy of the attached treachery card, discard Fool Me Once. Cancel that card's revelation effect. So it's like a situational ward that works on treachery cards that stick in play, right? It's a very weird card. It's the other way around, right? It's treachery cards that don't stay in play, because if it's something that stays in play, it wouldn't get discarded, so you wouldn't be able to play this, right? When you would discard a treachery card. Well, couldn't you play it after, like, getting rid of something that's in your threat area? Uh, yeah, I guess so. I guess you're right there. It's just, like, when it would be discarded. So, like, you couldn't use it on, uh, any of the TCU stuff until they actually trigger and go off, but... Right, yeah. So, yeah, so you resolve the first part of it. Like, you resolve the first copy, and then this cancels the second copy. I think the dream is, like... So, the problem is there's probably only a couple of treacheries in the deck that are so bad that you, like... It's worth putting a card in your deck to get rid of them. Like, that's why Ward is good, because you kind of, like, hold on to it until you draw that card. So, for this, it's kind of, like... You have to be the one that draws Ancient Evils the first time, and then you play this, and then the next time someone draws it, you can board it, kind of. Right, right. But if you're just not the one that draws it, then it's kind of not great. I, it, what what helps is if you're already going to play, like, Let Me Handle This, or maybe even, um, what's the new card from the last pack where you get to kind of rearrange all of the encounter cards? First Watch. I was just about to say oh, that. Oh, yeah, First Watch. If you're playing cards like that, then it becomes a little bit easier to pull it off, but I, I think this just feels like kind of too hard to use in an effective way. But like I said, if you're playing those cards, then it becomes maybe a little bit more realistic. I mean, it might be pretty okay in 
like TCU, there's a lot of those like when you you have to draw three copies of a card to for something bad to happen. So like if you play this on the first or second copy, then it awards the third one. But yeah, it is a little bit more awkward than just having ward. I guess that's true. It does cancel stuff for Diana, right? It does because it says cancel yeah. that card's revelation effect. Yeah, it sure does. So you know, if she's, I mean, she plays a lot of cancel cards. She probably wouldn't mind having another one. Yeah. I'm excited for the in the next pack for us to have a level two card called Fool Me Twice. Oh, <laughs> and so on and so on. In all actuality, I think that Larry Anderson would be the one to be saying this. Maybe <laughs> this is this is definitely like a get off my lawn, kids kind of a thing, right? The art is also kind of indicating that it's yeah, it's basically like you kind of like running through the corridor and triggering the traps and getting owned, and then like you know, the people that come after you get to be like, okay, I'm not going to step there. Uh, I'm not going to go through that door. Maybe it's like that kind of flavor. They get owned, but in the art, that guy in the background looks pretty dead. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Well, I think it's, I think it's not exactly the flavor of the art because if that was the case, then it would be like you die and you don't. So yeah. Yeah. Interesting card. It's all, yeah. An insight probably doesn't matter. I don't think it goes in the hunch deck. So. Oh, good point. Yeah. Uh, There's a lot of stuff that interact with insights. So like you like copy insights or whatever, but. Yeah. Eidetic memory. Tactic. Yes. Mark can play it. Mark can already play it. So yeah. I do think it's cool that we start to see these like weird cards that do weird things because I think that there's probably some scenario at some point where like actually playing this is pretty good because of some specific way the encounter deck is set up. Like at some point someone will rediscover this and be like, oh yeah, it's actually great for this particular situation. Yeah, for sure. For now though, we should probably move on. All right. Uh, The third guardian card in this pack is self-sacrifice. It's a guardian skill, level zero, and it is a spirit card, which of course means Calvin can play it. Hooray! Text is commit only to a skill test of any type being performed by another investigator at your location. If this test fails, you must resolve all effects from the failed test instead of the performing investigator. Then, either you draw two cards or the performing investigator draws two cards. Great for Calvin, right? Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, this is also good for Tommy because it can let you, like, if you know somebody's going to fail a test, you can like redirect like horror onto your assets or whatever all the effects from the fail text does that mean you get to like trigger their like if they have a rabbit's foot or something or take heart or something that you get to benefit from i mean it? i don't think that that's an effect of the test that's the thing that triggers after the test right uh yeah i guess so but i mean it might be if like if they commit a take heart to it no even even that i'm not sure about well take heart specifically says whoever failed the test yeah so I'll, I won't speak to Calvin because I've never played Calvin and I, I don't have a good feel for how those decks are constructed, but I don't think anyone else should play this just because I think it's, it has no icons on it. And I think it's just going to sort of sit in your hand and it's kind of like take heart where, oh, actually, I mean, I guess you get to draw the two cards, even if they don't fail the test. Uh, no, it's an if then. <laughs> oh, cool. Uh, uh, yeah. In that case, it's just going to sit in your hand. It doesn't have icons on it. I don't think it's really worth it. May- again, maybe for Calvin, but I, I really don't think you should play this with anybody else. I think it's okay for Tommy just because you can use it to, it's another way for him to redirect damage, but maybe there's oh, sure. enough stuff already that's... Are there really no better ways to do that though? Like, are there really no better cards that help him kill his assets? Yeah, there's like Tetsuo and stuff, but... He doesn't need the card draw too, though, right? Because because with this, like, you have to kind of draw specifically cards that are going to not just like go into your threat area and do stuff. They have to be like test, or else you take damage or horror, pretty much. I mean, the card draw part is nice, but it's like you're trading one card for two cards, right? So it's not yeah super great. The tough part about it, I think, the most tough part about it is that it's like three layers of conditions, right? It's like you have to commit it to a skill test. 
being performed by another investigator at your location. So not even you. Right. Yeah. And then if this test, only if the test fails. So you have to commit it to a skill test. It has to be performed by another investigator. That investigator has to be at a location and the test has to fail. That's a lot of qualifiers in order for this thing to fire. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's pretty, oof. yeah. Yeah. I don't know. This seems like a miss, but. I think, for again, for Calvin. Yeah. I think Calvin and I, I think Tommy could maybe think about using it. I mean, there's so many Calvin-specific cards at this point that I think it's really probably hard to pick 30 of them to put yeah. into a deck. Like, Calvin's got a lot of options. Honestly, it is. Yeah. Gotta, I gotta play Calvin again. Gotta, gotta go back and try him again uh, with all these new spirit cards. Let's go ahead on to the next one, though. This next card I'm actually kind of excited about. This one's pretty cool. Uh, Otherworld Codex. So this is a Seeker asset, cost 3, level 2... Uh, it has a willpower icon and an intellect icon. It's an item and a tome. Uses three secrets. Action, exhaust Otherworld Codex and spend one secret. Search the top nine cards of the encounter deck and choose a non-elite card among them. Discard a copy of the chosen card from play. Shuffle all the searched cards back into the encounter deck. And then um, it takes up a hand slot. So, huh, as I was reading this, was I, was I wrong about this? Because it says, discard a copy of the chosen card from play. So does that mean you're not just, like, discarding that card out of the encounter deck? You That's are right. Not. There, ha- there has to be a copy of it in play. Oh, this and sucks. And then you can, you can discard the copy of it from the encounter deck. This is not good. Uh, I thought it was like you basically get to look at the encounter deck, pull something out that you don't want to deal with, and just discard it. Which would have been really cool. You're using it to, like, get rid of cards from play. So, like, stuff that sits around in TCU. I think it was mostly, I was excited to put this in a daisy deck where you get to d- use it without spending an action and basically just use this to pretty much filter out all of the ancient evils or whatever the equivalent worst card in the deck is. Cause that would have been pretty cool, but yeah, I mean, this could still be okay in very specific scenarios where there's like, yeah, where there's very bad encounter cards that stay on the, in play. Yeah. Circle and done really hate a lot. hundred percent circle. And <laughs> yeah. E- even then, like it's, it's gotta be very specific. I think it also lets you discard enemies from play. Not only enemies. Yeah. Uh, oh yeah. Yeah, that's true. You don't defeat them. You do not defeat them. So you don't get the victory, right? Right. If they have but, victory. Uh, it would let you get rid of some like annoying 3-4 health monster. I feel like this is the fact that this is in this uh, cycle implies that it maybe is meant to be like a Mandy card, at least partially. But searching 12 instead of 9 doesn't make that much of a difference. And I, I don't think you're going to be able to trigger this twice most of the time. I think it's like if I play this in anyone, it would definitely be Daisy, just so you don't have to spend an action on it. That's right, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. mean, encounter decks are like... 20 to 30 cards all the time so like if you're like halfway through the encounter deck that's probably when you use this and if you're in like tcu there's probably a couple cards sitting out on the board like i feel like you could make decent use of it in mandy or daisy on any of the campaigns that are like that i guess you you could also get rid of the like piping of azathoth type stuff yeah like the th- when the third one comes out something bad happens yeah yeah for sure Again, that's TCU though, right? Like TCU, I think is like definitely notorious for having the most things that stick in play. So yeah, would be the most reasonable. There. Oh, and honestly, no, you know what this would be really great for is Fate of All Fools. Yeah, yeah that's right. what I was thinking. That would be pretty great, actually. Yeah, I, I still, I'm still not sure I'd play this outside of Daisy, but I think if I was playing Daisy through TCU, I would probably give this a shot. It's also really cool art. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, the art definitely is cool. Although it is a book, so I mean, Dan. There's another pocket case scenario that I I think that you're definitely not not addressing here. Oh yeah, what's that? When you said that you love this card, I thought it was for this specific instance. Your friendly neighborhood mystic plays turn one two stargazings and puts two <laughs> copies of the stars are right in the top ten cards. Dan expertly plays otherworldly codex and actionlessly takes both of them out of the deck 
effectively. <laughs> Shuffling them away. What? That doesn't forever. work, though, because they're, they're not in play, right? Yeah, that doesn't, that doesn't do anything except shuffle them deeper into the bottom of the deck. Yeah, that's what I mean. It shuffles <laughs> them away. Oh, it just it delays the start. You just want to get rid of them? Doing, yeah, okay. <laughs> As a troll card, is that what you're thinking? Exactly. Yeah, I, I really I really do wish that this worked the way I thought it worked, where you basically get to just fish something out of the encounter deck and discard it, which would have been really cool. Maybe maybe too strong, I don't know. But uh, yeah, like I said, this in TCU specifically, this still might have a have a good purpose for it. Uh, ben, are, are books still scary if they don't have any text in them and instead have like beautiful 3D pictures of forests? I mean... I was going to say the same thing. This is like a book that's like trying to trap you inside of it, right? That's kind of dangerous. It's like mist. What? Like it's mist. like Mist, the sur- the surreal adventure that will become your world. Yeah, only only nineties kids seems dangerous. That. It it seems less dangerous because there's no apparent words. But I don't know, man. Just trying to. That's what it wants you to think. Yeah, it seems like a trick. Like books are books are tricky and deceitful. So this this could just be like a really smart book. Yeah, you know, good. Like... Yeah. We'll 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 keep an eye on it, and we will uh, we'll we'll be careful. Yeah, I think I'm awaiting the level four otherworldly codex where you do exactly what what Dan thought it was originally. That would be cool. I think so. that would be pretty good. Yeah. Yeah. If it had like an extra secret on it too or something, that'd be pretty cool. Yeah. So let's let's move on to the next card. Let's do it. The next card is Dream Enhancing Serum, also known as Brondo. <laughs> it's an asset, level zero, costs three resources to play, commits for one will icon. It's an item, science. Only the first copy of each card in your hand counts towards your maximum hand size. And then triggeredly, uh, after you draw a copy of a card that is already in your hand, reveal both copies and exhaust Dream Enhancing Serum to draw one card. And it takes up an arcane slot. Mm. Very strange card. It's very interesting. This one I feel like uh, it would be interesting to kind of see some math on. Like, assume that your deck is 15 cards times 2. Like, you have exactly 15 copies plus your, like, unique signature and weakness or something. Then it's like, you know, roughly how often... I mean, I think the problem is that, like, if you play the first copy of a card that you draw, then this doesn't really happen, right? So it has to be, like... It has to be, like, an event or skill-focused deck, right? Like, min? Yeah, yeah. Like, how often do you kind of just, like, hold one in hand? It also, with myriad cards, it's way more likely to trigger, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, it's really good for, like, getting the pendant of the queen, right? Like, yeah. Because you can you uh, yeah. find it quicker. That is very true. Um, yeah, I think if you're playing the pendant, then you probably do play this. Um, the only myriad card that I've really played with, uh, well, I played Solemn Vow, but only two copies of it usually. And then I've played Astounding Revelation in Mandy a lot, which is obviously very fun to draw multiple copies of. <laughs> I know, Ben, you've played like Fortuitous Discovery a bunch, Dane. Like, if you guys... Easy mark, definitely. What's like the most number of myriad cards that you ever have in a deck? I think like one. Yeah, like really? one to two. And like, yeah. you know, five, four to six copies of that. I think the most I played with is like actually just one set of three. Yeah, but I mean, they'll they're probably gonna keep adding some more. Yeah, so. we we might see more myriad cards later in this cycle, right? And there might so. be some cool ones that interact with each other because right now I don't think any of them have any synergy with one another. They're all kind of independent, and it's like you know, a three slots in a deck is a big ask, so it has to has to be worth it. Yeah, I think also the fact that this costs three is uh is pretty tough. Yeah, it's certainly a lot. I mean, that's that's just kind of begging the question, like how much do you how often do you think you're going to get to trigger the draw card to make it worth the three resources and an action, right? Because compare this to like preposterous sketches, you have to be on right. a place with a clue, it costs one less, and you get three cards immediately. That just seems like probably better. Yeah. I mean, the upside to it is you can active desperation it, right? Let's be real here. <laughs> well, no, it's not, a, it's not a hand slot, right? Yeah, it's not. It's a spell. Yeah. No! Uh, but it's an item! Yeah, it doesn't help you. 
I, I think in any event or skill-focused deck where you're like likely to be holding on cards onto cards for like the ideal time to play them, this is like pretty strong. And Seekers already have like really good card draw, so like you can fill up your hand pretty quickly if you want. Yeah, I mean, I, I want to be. I'm scared of like just saying this is definitely bad because I feel like maybe the math is like secretly actually you're going to get a ton of cards out of this. I, I don't think that's the case, but it's like it's a possibility. My experience with Mandy so far has been, like, I've just had way too many cards in my hand at all times. Like, just drawing so many cards with Mr. Rook every single turn and, like, Eureka every single turn, I've just had, like, constantly discarding down a hand size. It's incredible. So I think this would be really good with her, specifically. It feels so good. I know, because of that, right? Like, it's so good. It feels wonderful. It's like Mark. Uh, Yeah, no, I... I may never play anyone besides Mandy ever again after doing that for the past several weeks. <laughs> More on this story as it develops. Um, uh, I, I think this could be could be a sleeper hit. Yeah. Well, well but here's my here's my last question before we move on. Though. Pun intended. So, oh, I, hope, I was hoping Dan wouldn't notice that until doing editing, but it's fine. But who, which Seeker plays like a very event and skill focused deck? Who would want this? Because Seekers have things like Pathfinder and Magnifying Glasses. They like they play Min. They play assets and things, right? I, I guess Min. Yeah, maybe. I mean, definitely Min. She also has access to the most myriad cards, right? She has um, Fortuitous Discovery, uh, Amulet of the Queen. Isn't there just one myriad card for each color right now? (laughs) (laughs) Well, no, there's a standing revelation. Uh, Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I think bottom line, maybe try it in someone that is playing a lot of duplicates and also that uh, is not just trying to find assets and play the first copy that they get. It does cost three, which is a lot, but uh, we're just not sure about it. It's a weird card. It'll get better. Yeah. Uh, let's move on to the rogue cards. Uh, the first one is Let God Sort Them Out. Uh, it is a cost zero event, level zero, with one combat icon on it. Uh, it's a tactic and faded. It says play only during one of your turns in which you have defeated enemies with a total of six or more health. Add Let God Sort Them Out to the victory display and immediately end your turn. When earning experience during the resolution of the scenario, you earn one additional experience. Wow. Much less cooler delve, because it only benefits you. <laughs> yep. Right? I mean, that's that's kind of the rogue style, right? Yeah, I guess. It's an interesting card. It's like a weird like subquest for rogues to do, because it's like it's kinda hard to kill six enemies worth or six health worth of enemies. That's what's weird about it, is rogues aren't the class that I think of as being the most able to kill six health worth of enemies in a turn. Like for rogues it should have been like succeed on a test by succeed on a useless test by eight or something. Yeah. Or uh have twenty resources or something. You can coordinate with other people in your team, like because you just have to be the one to defeat the enemy, you don't have to deal six damage. So right. you could like have somebody like beat up a couple of monsters and then you finish them off. I mean rogues also get lots of extra actions, so maybe you can combo this into a turn where you have you're running Tony, and you got like your five actions with with Leo and uh, his bounties, and what are the other nonsense cards for bonus actions he has? Like, I feel like your Tony deck in in Dream Eaters that that we're playing might you know can kill things that much sometimes. Yeah, yeah. Spoilers, spoilers for those who haven't played Tony. Tony's absolutely incredible. He's like a in- very good investigator who can do buttloads of damage with a lot of actions. I think he's solid. And I think he's very fun to play uh, if he has stuff to murder. Uh, if he doesn't have stuff to murder, at least with the deck I have, <laughs> it's been a little bit more of a struggle. Now, here's the other thing about this. Uh, there's one other investigator who can play this card. Who, who would that be? Hmm, talking about uh, Rex it's, it's, it's our old buddy Mark, because this is a uh, tactic. And uh, <laughs> Does it can, rhyme with bark? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you know who can probably do six damage in a turn? Mark Harrigan, that's who. So that's a pretty interesting possibility, right? Yeah, I... The trick with this is it is an action to play this card. It's not fast. So, like, Mark has to 
be using like flamethrower or lightning gun or something or like vicious blows or something or probably. be cop and vicious blow and home front right yeah now. okay i mean obviously uh i want zoe to use this because of the theme of they can both a, take uh, it holy warrior yeah although i feel like zoe's five off color cards are getting kind of crowded up with they are stuff in ben's uh <laughs> there's a lot of competition for themed cards for off slots you're gonna have uh, to ask matt to uh errata zoe so that she can play up to five level zero cards plus any cards that say god in the title or are sharp <laughs> or something like that i don't know yeah we could i'll petition him uh we can make it happen <laughs> so like coming at this card from that angle why is this a tactic is it like a divine tactic? Is that is that what the angle for this is here? No, the, the tactic is you're murdering the, everything. The, literally the first time they print a tactic that Mark actually wants to play and now you're complaining? Like the a million <laughs> tactics we've seen that are like, why would Mark ever play this? I'm just and, wondering, how is this a tactic? It's like a shoot first, ask questions later type of strategy, right? But in this case, you're shooting them. Look, the gentleman in the art is in a tactical stance. He's He's a tactical operator. He's holding a firearm that's very tactical. So, hence it's a tactic. Yeah, it's it's just a you go in there and shoot everything. Did they even have color photography in the 1920s? <laughs> no, this was a depiction that took eight hours. No, yeah. <laughs> that's a really good point. All the all the art in this game should be black and white. We should let FFG <laughs> know immediately, and uh, they can like yeah. I don't. Know, I think it's interesting. I think it's like a fun subquest you can do with a bunch of investigators. Yeah, I'm gonna do this in every Mark deck. <laughs> Some people on your team might be like mildly annoyed that you're uh be like hey what if you uh do two damage to that monster and then i'll finish it off you know i, I can't touch it off you first though i have to, I have to shoot it twice you know? <laughs> well uh, also you should uh you owe me one somebody else's dynamite on your location oh. that, that would really help you trigger this right <laughs> oh yes <laughs> brilliant but see it's so easy like in the forgotten age especially like there are just so many beefy enemies with like three health and like two fight that are just really annoying to deal with that you could easily do this with even in like the first scenario you can't kill them though if like, they'll make you mad at you and that's the bigger subquest of the forgotten age or uh, or you owe me one somebody's storm of spirits on a place where there's a swarm of like three enemies that have two health each i mean or just you could use it in safina and yeah just have storm of spirits there you go yeah very fun card uh give it a try we'll see it definitely probably like tony and mark are probably the people that are most likely to be able to trigger it right yeah and zoe and and skids because he has dynamite i guess maybe i think safina could do it too i think there's lots of people that can can go for it you just might have to try to build around it safina might have a hard time i don't know if it's actually like a good card in terms of like functionality because it makes you do jump through all these hoops but i think it'll be a definitely does (laughs) so anyway uh okay so the next card is called swift reload it is a rogue event Cost three, level two, one agility icon. It's a tactic and a trick. Oh, look, another uh, mark card. Nope, because it's level two. No! Uh, fast, play only during your turn. Choose a firearm asset you control with fewer ammo tokens than its use's X value. Place ammo on that asset until it has ammo equal to its use's X value. So uh, it reloads swiftly. It like, does. Yeah. The guy in the art looks like he just heard that Mark can't play this because it's level two. <laughs> he looks like, uh, uh, he looks, uh, here, here, let me, let me read you his internal monologue. Oh shit. I'm in world war one. World war one <laughs> sucks really badly. God damn it. This sucks. Uh, that's, that's what he's thinking right now in this art. That's probably pretty accurate. This is a rogue alternative to like contraband or extra ammo, right? Like reload your gun. I mean, it's pretty straightforward with what it does. It's like fast, but expensive. And you kind of have to wait until your gun is mostly empty to play it. But being fast is great. You know, like how often when you're dealing with enemies, are you like, I really need a turn off where I can reload because I have like three dudes on me? Yeah. Uh, with, yeah. With this, yeah. it's not a problem. Oh, absolutely. I think this is just 100% better than contraband in like literally every way. 
I think that's probably true. And it's the opposite of contraband because with contraband, you really want to play it as soon as you play your weapon when it's like full. Right. With this, you really want to play it right when it's empty or almost empty. Right. And I guess that that's that's not knocking the fact that contraband can can put supplies on things, I think. But this is as it strictly pertains to weapons. Yeah. Yeah. I think definitely like for Tony and Skids and people like that, they should just definitely play this. Jenny, Jenny too, probably. Anyone that uses a weapon that has like three or more charges or ammo on it or other, it seems really good. Oh, how does this work with uh, Jenny's twin guns? Rules Master Ben. Uh, oh God, I haven't played Jenny in so long. <laughs> uh... <laughs> she has X cost on her uh, twin 45s. Like, does it remember the cost when you played it? No, it doesn't. So I think... I think it's zero, so I think it doesn't work. Oh, right. It's only X when it's on the stack, and it's a zero uh, in every other zone. When you act of desperation, Zoe's guns. Zoe's guns? Is it the same thing? Do you just hit enemies in the face with a variable? I think the game seg faults if you do that. It tries to uh, divide by zero and uh, crashes. Uh, the <laughs> FAQ rolling on Jenny's guns was, after it's played, its cost is no longer defined, so it's uh, zero, basically. So this would Bummer. not be good for Jenny. Blame. Even if you wanted to reload her 45s, but... Anyway, uh, solid, really solid card for people that are using guns and kind of rich, you know, skids, Tony, maybe Preston, if he's playing guns, etc. It's a trick. Because I mean, Rita can use it. What can Rita use? Zero to three? It does. does she use- can she use <laughs> level two tricks, though? I think she can level like zero to three or something. Probably not important anyway, because I don't think she can really use very many guns. So, but she can use old hunting rifle, Dan. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you've counted that out yet. It's not too many options for her, but maybe in the future there'll be more survivor guns yeah maybe so let's move on to the second ally in the pack let's do it he's a rogue ally his name is gregory guy i mean gregory gry <laughs> gree gry he's a muckraker which is also an ice in the popular card game netrunner nobody's ever heard of that let's move on costs three resources to play it's an asset commits for one intellect he's an ally criminal and a dreamer he uses nine resources Triggered ability, when you initiate a skill test, spend up to three resources from Gregory Gry. If this test succeeds by at least that amount, gain that many resources. And then he has one health, two sanity, and takes up the ally slot. Well, it seems like this uh, criminal is really pushing his luck, huh? He's got a pretty nice tie. <laughs> that is a nice tie. Yeah. And he's wearing uh, those cool, cool 20s sunglasses, maybe? I don't know. This is a yeah. an interesting card. So is it is this like fixed Henry Wan kind of? I don't remember what Henry Wan does other than that he was the math showed that he was very bad. <laughs> <laughs> I thought this was like watch this with legs. Yeah. Well watch this you bet and you get like double back. This if you fail the test you're not really losing anything other than like the resources off of him. So Well well wait a minute. You have to spend resources well yeah, like you are losing stuff basically, you right? You spend them off of him. So like you just don't, yeah, you won't get as much use out of him. But, like, if you're, like, doing tests, like, uh, where you're, like, pretty confident you're going to succeed by one or two, then you spend that off of him and probably get extra money. Yeah, because, like, if you can, th- that's that's the thing, right, is that if you're just, like, succeeding, if you're just doing tests normally that you have a pretty good chance of passing, if you just spend one resource off of Gregory each test, then you're pretty likely to get it back like you're probably going to get at least like seven ish of these resources and it's just going to take a little bit longer if you get greedy and you're spending like three at a time then you have a pretty high chance that you're going to fail but i think i think you'll still get all the money off of him relatively fast if you're like fighting and investigating and stuff even if you just take off like one at a time yeah i think he's got a decent amount of uses it's just he competes with the ally slot so yeah and there's know, already like leo and stuff it's hard to compete with leo but like people once you're winning charisma it's probably pretty okay 
it's a rogue card, so you can always adapt all of him later after you get charisma if you really have something else you want more than him. Yeah, that's true. That's that's a very good point, yeah. I kind of feel like um, if you have room for an ally that is just going to give you money, then this is certainly better than Henry Wan, and this is like pretty good. If you don't have room for an ally that's going to do that, then you shouldn't play him. But like, I, I, like would Preston, big money Preston would probably like to play this guy, right? Yeah. I mean, even, uh, even like Skids might like him, right? Skids can like oh, convert yeah. money into actions. So it's like a, a cheaper way to get that going, maybe. I don't know. I guess, I guess you only can net gain six out of it, right? It just seems fun. It's also, uh, notice that you don't have to like exhaust him. So it's not like, oh, you only get yeah. to use him once per oh, yeah. turn. So yeah. You could potentially like take all of those resources in the first turn that he's played and net six resources from him, yeah. which is pretty cool. Yeah, although you'd have to, you'd really be gambling a little bit for that. And then once you've taken all of his money, just uh, leave him to die. You know, let, yeah. him, let him take a hit from a big tentacle monster. <laughs> I mean, here's the thing: like I've found my experience with Tony so far. I've played, I've played a lot of Tony since he came out. I think he's like definitely the best rogue to consistently succeed by a certain amount with. Having five in a stat is just so incredibly great. That is really good. And Tony, Tony having like the access to the uh, the revolt, the Derringer, already netting him a plus two. He's at seven. Spoilers: Daring is actually incredible in Tony because of this reason. Because just with a Daring and his Derringer or a Derringer, he's at like eleven to whatever the test is. And then he also draws a card from the Daring. That is pretty guaranteed that you're going to draw this many uh, resources off of Gregory Gry when you when you do it. His bounties, the way that his bounties work with his gun is just such a modular thing where if you draw just a huge guy, you're going to get all those bounties to stack up on it and be at like plus five combat really fast. He's also just the best dude to play cigarette case in and cigarette case is already great, right? Like, yeah, no, that seems pretty solid. Yeah. Yeah, no, this 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 seems pretty good. Like all the rogue cards in this pack, I think. Yeah, same. They're all at least interesting or encourage creative deck building Mm -hmm. so uh let's move on to the mystic cards the first one is healing words it is a level zero asset cost two with one willpower icon it's a spell uses three charges action spend one charge heal one damage from an investigator at your location and it takes up an arcane slot so this is uh just a healing version of clarity of mind right it's like identical i think yeah yeah Yeah, exactly exactly the same except it does healing instead and uh, and Clarity of Mind is a card that I think we don't usually play unless we really need it. Like p- even people like um, Carolyn or whatever that really want to have a way to heal horror, we usually play like Liquid Courage at level zero instead if you can take it, and maybe like get level three Clarity of Mind eventually. So I wonder if we'll see a level three version of this later. Yeah, I mean, one action for healing one damage is like not super efficient. Yeah, and it, you know costs money to put into play. It takes about one of your precious precious arcane slots if you're playing a Mystic. Yeah. So it's not, not super exciting. I can't think of any situation in the game where you would need healing so badly that you would play this. I am a little bit interested in the possibility of getting a level 3 version of this at some point, maybe in like Return to the Dream Eaters, because, I mean, if you have a mark in your group or someone else, they can just really damage themselves to get benefits from it, then at that point the efficiency maybe is worth it. But uh, I don't know, we'll have to see. In the meantime, yeah, I probably don't play this. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we'll probably get like a doctor at some point too, right? That will be similar to Carolyn, maybe that benefits some healing. It may be. Maybe. There's the doctor guy. I forget his name. Off the top oh yeah, head, the doctor guy. I forgot about him. Is it Harvey Walters? No. Although, does it? would he likely to be a mystic? Or Well, it doesn't matter because he might just have like anything that can heal damage, kind of like Carolyn. It might be similar to Carolyn, that, but maybe not. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Let's just go ahead and move on because we're, we're kind of done with this one, right? Yeah. 
The next card is Ethereal Form. It's a mystic event, costs two, level zero, has a willpower icon and an agility icon. It's a spell. And it says, evade. Add your willpower value to your skill value for this evasion attempt. If you succeed, disengage from each other enemy engaged with you, and for the remainder of the round, you are ethereal. Enemies cannot engage or be engaged with you, and you cannot attack or deal damage to enemies. Interesting. So this is sort of, um, so originally we had blinding light, which was kind of a way to evade things. And then I think we've had recently a couple of other mystic events that are basically like an improved evasion. Banish came out like Banish, right, cycle. is like the other one. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is kind of cool. There are situations where it's better than Blinding Light. There's situations where it's worse. It costs the same amount. I like the flavor. I mean, I think the most hype part of this card is that it's it's a new keyword, right? You mean becoming ethereal? Yeah. I don't know if we like uh, new terms added on, like, random cards. That usually is, like, a, <laughs> kind of a rules <laughs> yeah. issue. Because but... I think that, th- that this doesn't necessarily mean that this is, like, a new mechanic we're going to see again. It could just be, like, a fun flavor thing. Yeah, I definitely like the flavor of, like, turning into a ghost and, like, whooshing away from whatever the enemies are. Yeah. And it is, I mean, we say this a lot, but, uh, again, the fact that it's a spell is relevant if you're playing Arcane Initiate. Might not be as relevant now that we have um, the new book, the purple book that draws cards, as, like, an alternative to that. But if you're playing Arcane Initiate, having spells is good. I mean, importantly, this... It lets you evade one thing and also disengage from everything else. So if, like, you're in a situation where you're by yourself and you, like, can't fight... All the enemies on you get like two enemies on you, maybe like a hunter moved on to you or whatever. Uh, this is a good way to like get the heck out of there, you know, as fast as you can. That is true. A little bit better in that regard compared to the other events to let you deal with multiple enemies at once. It's a it's a bummer that you can't attack or deal damage to enemies. You can't like play this with Agnes and then move around and ping some dudes. Yeah, yeah. See, in that respect, it's a it's a powered down version of On the Lamb. That Skidzo tool can play. I don't remember what that does. Aren't Skidzo's signature cards <laughs> not very good? Wasn't On the Lamb a Netrunner card? It was. Yeah, there was a Netrunner card on the Lamb. I forgot about that until now. On the Lamb doesn't even let you disengage from the enemies, though. They still run around with you. <laughs> that is true. They just don't attack you. Yeah. I don't know. I, I think it's interesting. I like the flavor. I think in like a, if you know you're doing like a enemy-heavy campaign where you want to evade a bunch of stuff, it could be great in Forgotten Age if you're trying to like evade a bunch of snakes. Yeah, fun yeah. fun alternative to Blinding Light. Might be pretty good in solo if you just need to like run to the end of the scenario to resign or something. Luke can use this at uh, connecting location and then move through a bunch of enemies. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, I like the art. Uh, yep, pretty pretty spooky art. Let's uh, let's move on to the next one though. Guys, I need to instate a yellow alert again. I we're not. Uh, I don't really? think we're on yellow alert yet. This does not. I think. I think this card demands a yellow alert. Uh, have you seen the neutral card in this? I pack? think any sort of recursion <laughs> in this game is very scary uh, in terms of combo potential. But it's so much work to go find the sound effects and put it in. <laughs> <laughs> From the second I saw this card, I felt very scared as to. What could happen with this in Resourceful and finding some way to recur things from the bin infinitely? Did you, uh, did you perhaps feel a little bit of a deja vu? Like maybe you'd seen this card before somewhere? Maybe. <laughs> I have never seen this card. Now before. that yellow alert has been instated, I don't, I don't know if we agreed on we that. We can tell you. Fine, whatever. What this card is. What's between yellow and like not alert? Like green alert? Like, <laughs> <Can> we... <laughs> orange? What's worse? What's the worst color? Red? Red? It's like orange alert. How about indigo alert? Let's go with that. Yeah, yeah something I don't know. I like green, greenish alert. <laughs> this card is called Scrounge for Supplies. It is a survivor event, level zero. Costs zero resources to play. Doesn't have any commit symbols. 
It is a fortune, which means Rex can't play it. You choose a level zero card in your discard pile. Add the chosen card to your hand. And then it has some flavor text about pulling things out of corpses' hands. Don't do that. Don't, nobody do that. <laughs> Not even if you're a survivor. Don't do that. I mean, Very unethical. At a base level, like, you're just... This turns you a copy of a card that you used up into, like, a third copy of that card, right? Yeah, I mean... Uh, for an action. For value cards, it's pretty great, right? Like, for, for like, recurring a waylay or something that you might want back, but... It's it's basically a, a more Dan, you you didn't initiate a yellow alert because we could use this to get Waylay back. You initiated a yellow alert because you can use this to get back your true survivor. You can use that to get two quick thinkings and a resourceful. And then you can do a test and commit all three of those to gain two clicks and get back the scrounge for supplies. And that's a combo right there. Yep. That's why this well, is no, a yellow alert. This can't get back True Survivor, though, because it has to be a level yeah. zero card. Oh. This has to get back the resourceful <laughs> that gets your True Survivor. Yeah. Okay, and then the True sur- Okay, so you have to do a test, and then... Oh, God, we need to summon a, a Super Keith to, to, to figure this out. <laughs> no, so, okay, so, so you scrounge... So you scrounge for resourceful, then you do a test, so that's your second action, and you succeed, and you get back your True Survivor. Your third action is play True Survivor... And then your fourth action, stay with me here, is uh, you play True Survivor. Well, True Survivor is fast, no, isn't wait. it? Th- th- that was the third action. Is True Survivor fast? I think so. No, it's not. Is it? I don't think oh, it is. Otherwise, it'd be terrible. <laughs> it is not fast. <laughs> I got news for you, Ben. <laughs> oh, no. That's return three and eight skills from your Discord pile? I thought you were talking about Will to Survive. Click one, scrounge for supplies, get back resourceful. Click two, do a test, commit resourceful, succeed, and get True Survivor. Click three, true survivor, get back one resourceful and two quick thinkings. Click four, do a test, commit all three of those, and get back scrounge for supplies and I think you can't to and gain two clicks. I don't think that actually works. I think you need you either need to like trigger the tests for free without spending actions, or you need to do some other kind of ridiculous crap somehow. But there's there's something there for degenerate weirdos who love combos. Right? I feel like you should have planned this out slightly more before we started talking about it. Oof. Wow, I, f- I feel I feel called out. <laughs> like, taking a pet slurring it down. I think you're almost. I there. mean, look, I'm not going to play this. I'm not, I, I don't do this weird crap. But uh, some I think people, some people. Base, <laughs> I think at its base level, it's an interesting card. It gives you like a third copy of some other card in your deck, or or fourth copy of uh, uh, Fortuitous Discovery or something. Yeah, exactly. Like for somebody like Patrice who wa- who discards a bunch of stuff, she might be able to pull back a fortuitous discovery or something that she wanted, right? I mean, real real talk though. In general, the fact that this has no symbols on it is pretty bad. That is true. If you if you just get this early before you have stuff in your discard pile, it's it kind of sucks. I would I would play it on Patrice for sure because yeah. Patrice yeah. is always going to have stuff in her discard pile. This is actually definitely very good for Patrice, right? Because it lets oh, you yeah. like grab yes, an asset that she didn't have money for or something, right? Know? Exactly, right? Yeah. Or, or a premonition to play premonition again, you know? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it has potential for dangerous combos, but I think it's just like general use. It's like, it's pretty all right. Because think about it. You can play premonition, see that it's a bad token, do some kind of test just to get rid of it, and then use this and then play the premonition again and try to get a better token. <laughs> it's super good. Uh, yeah, de- definitely, definitely a good Patrice card for real. Yeah. Oh, yeah, I agree. All right. Why don't we take a look at the other survivor card? Uh, it is called Brute Force. Yeah, I, don't, I don't think this other Survivor card warrants a yellow alert, though, right? I, we need to power it out. I, I mean, we can leave it on for the card after this. You're being right. very optimistic, assuming that I'm actually going to be unlazy enough to find the sound effects for this. <laughs> <laughs> the next card is called Brute Force. It's a level one Survivor skill. 
with one combat icon on it. It's innate and developed, which is kind of weird because usually it's one or the other, but uh, it's max one committed per skill test. While brute force is committed during a basic fight action, it gains two combat symbols and the text, if this test is successful by two or more, this attack deals plus two damage. It's very interesting. So it turns your normal one damage attack into a three damage attack if you're at high enough fight. It's kind of like a vicious blow, right? It's pretty good if you like want to maybe fight things occasionally and you have maybe like three combat so you can kind of pass a test if you get three symbols off of it. But you're not so good at fighting that you actually want to play weapons. Yeah, I mean, I think you can think of it as like a vicious blow for high fight characters like Silas. Like maybe like Rita or something. Or Tony. Tony could play this. Yeah. It's kind of an argument for him to play uh, Tony's, survivor Tony's cards. Survivor subclass, it's good for him. I guess that's true also is that like, yeah, for for like Silas or somebody, like even if you have a weapon out, you're doing basically three damage with this or with like a vicious blow. And we always complain that yeah. Silas can't play vicious blow. So it's like, eh. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, uh, it's pretty fine. we're expecting that there's going to be the uh, martial artist character eventually, right? Oh, yeah. And that will make Oh, yeah. Be... We're, call- we're definitely calling it now. Lily Chen in the next bag. This is foreshadowing for it, for sure. Definitely has a dude punching another dude, but uh, it would be a good card for her if she has some type of like... When you do a basic fight action or when you don't use a weapon or something, get some benefit. But obviously, if just guessing what she'll be doing. Or even if at some point there's some kind of asset that's like exhaust this when you do a basic fight action to do an extra damage or something. Like anything else that kind of works with basic fight actions, this would combo really well with. Well, they do have that card uh, that's not great used right now in the original cycle in, I think it was the Circle Undone, where they introduced Cunning. What's the survivor one that gives agility? Able-bodied? And... Yeah. It does kind of have that synergy with able-bodied, right? Where, like, maybe if you're playing the less things you have, the more powerful you are. Yeah. Because you do really need to succeed by two or more, or else this is not very good. Yeah, you definitely yeah, have to... I agree. Maybe have to commit something else or be doing a test where it's, like, you're already ahead by a lot. It gives you plus one, but... Oh, no, it gives you plus three. And S- Silas can pull this back. Has potential. I think a lot of investigators could can think of ways to use this. Also, the art is awesome. Yeah, this is a pretty cool card, and I really like the art. That's just some really interesting like framing. There's like a chair in the air, I think, behind uh, in the background. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. There's like a chair in the air, upside down behind him. There's just there's clearly like a bar fight and some shenanigans happening. That's pretty great. Yeah, yeah, definitely a cool card. Anything else, or should we move on to the last card? The last card. I mean, this is a card we have to put on yellow alert, right? Is it or orange alert? Maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, yeah, it is. Well, okay. So the last card is Versatile. It's a neutral asset. It doesn't have a cost because it's a permanent. It's level two. It's a talent permanent. You get plus five deck size. Boo. Your investigator's deck building (laughs) options gains one other level zero card from any class. And then it lists the five classes. And the art is a guy showing a secret compartment where he has a gun. Also a chalkboard. Yeah, also a chalkboard. Chalk. Chalk. (laughs) The ever importance of chalk. I'm still, I think I'm still the only one that like really harps on the fact that you should only play 30 cards in your Manny deck ever. So I just want to reiterate that plus five cards in your deck is pretty bad. Yeah, like this has a big downside, which is the plus five. Even apart from the fact that it costs two XP. I think the only person it wouldn't be as much of a downside for is Patrice, right? Because she'll go through her deck regardless. For most investigators, like plus five deck is kind of bad. Yeah, even Patrice, like she really wants to find her violin or whatever, right? Like she has things she really wants to find. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, quarters, things like that. Yeah. This is like an extra turn before you cycle your deck. But uh, I know there's at least one combo with this card that I've seen people discussing since it was like previewed. Oh, no. uh, Which is the Premonition Windy. (laughs) 
Oh, like, God, we no. We infinitely play Premonition. What do you mean, no? All right, what is it? What is it? What's happening So here? if Wendy has her amulet out, she can play Premonition. When you play Premonition, it goes into play, so it doesn't trigger the force part of her amulet. And then you know mm-hmm. what the next token is, and then you can discard Premonition, and then you can play it again from the top of your deck, infinitely. Oh, no. So you always know what the next token that is going to be drawn is. That's not... Even that's a really weak combo. It just tells you what the token is. It doesn't actually yeah, do anything. Yeah, so you always know exactly what to commit to the test. That's extremely good. No, that's not extremely good. You yeah. St- what? Yeah, no, that is very good. If you always know what the difficulty of the test is, then you always know exactly what you need to commit. Just pass tests. You always know uh, if you'll succeed or if you're going to auto-fail so you don't undercommit. I think that's really good. But but Wendy can just redraw all the time. Right. For any other character, maybe, but Wendy can if, just... If it's a tentacle that she knows that she's going to have to redraw uh, to get another card. I, look, I'm not saying it's bad. The I'm saying... it's fast, correct? Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm saying it's not worth plus five deck size. <laughs> I don't know. I, I think... I think it is. It's, no, it's really good. <laughs> Premonition's but, uh, really Dan, good. Dan's just wrong on this one. It's fine. Sometimes Dan's wrong. Eh, it's, it's never happened before. But... <laughs> He'll never admit it, but... Yes. I agree. I mean, that's the main combo I've seen people talking about. I don't, I'm sure there's other combos that uh, either people haven't thought of that's yet insane. or haven't come out yet that has some weird interaction where if you have access to this level zero card, interacts with your ability or some other class card that hasn't been tested, is totally unexpected, and it's going to do some weird, weird nonsense. I think double or nothing might be a big one. I think you might have a lot of like shotgun double or nothing for Guardians that yep. can't normally play double or nothing, that kind of thing. That, that's true. Like I think... There's reasons that the classes have and the characters have restrictions on what they can put in their deck, and this just kind of breaks that wide open. And yeah. it is at a high cost. It has plus five deck size, but <laughs> I, I think there's potential for a lot of nonsense. So going back to the discussion we were having about Mandy earlier, who always has so many cards in her hand, I know that with 30-card Mandy deck, I basically go through my deck every game. That's I great. That Congratulations. This, That's really good. This is like a very real thing if you wanted to try it. Like if there was some card that was so powerful that you want to try to get it in a Mandy deck. I'm just wondering like if there's a level zero card that is so powerful that you'd want to increase your deck by five to play it. Assuming that you will always hit it in your deck like i'm trying to think of investigators who will always hit a card in their deck that's mark that's mandy and that's patrice i think are the three that i always Min also anyone with rook min Um, right you can use this to put rook in your deck any investigator can have rook but see (laughs) like like, someone else is already probably using him right like if you have like three people in your group like probably one of them's already playing mr rook maybe but now you could also play him (laughs) steal it from them you know, like I, I don't know. Yeah, I'm interested to hear like what are the best like things you can do with this because it's it's very open ended. There's a lot of possibilities. All I'm saying is like the plus five deck size thing is really bad. Like you better you better really have a card that you really like. You're basically sacrificing consistency to do something cool, which can absolutely be worth it sometimes. But just be aware that that's what you're doing. Yeah. Listen, Dan Dunwich would like to have a word with you. Dunwich says <laughs> it's very intimidated by a sixty card Mandy deck size. <laughs> yeah. That it can't mill through very easily. Eh, eh, just, eh, it's fine. Just have someone play a um, Delay the Inevitable or it's a Quantum Flux or something. Eh, it's fine. <laughs> and Ben, this is the answer to to Zoe having too many things that splash in God, God's uh, flavor. Oh, you're right. <laughs> she can get even more uh, blue cards in her deck and like one additional God flavor card. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Here, here's my best attempt to think of like a situation where you might want to play this. If you, for some reason, actually don't take Doomed out of the weakness pool and you actually draw Doomed as your weakness. Which, and you're not, oh, yeah. and you're not playing a good character that's just going to draw your whole deck, and you just immediately give up the entire campaign. <laughs> and you're like, well, okay, if I'm if I just don't draw cards, I might actually live through this. 
then maybe you play this. <laughs> yeah, it counters doomed, I guess, yeah. So, I mean, right out the gate, this gives you five cards, right? Well, okay, no, this gives you four cards in your class and one card that you could choose out, out of it, right? It gives you four cards you could already pick and then one new one, yeah. Yeah, okay, okay. Importantly, it just increases your deck size by five. You have to automat- You immediately have to fill those in with new cards. Do you realize that Premonition Wendy is literally every single test for the rest of the game? Yeah, doesn't matter. Once that happens, <laughs> you just know everything that's in the Chaos Bag for the rest of the yeah, game. Yeah, barely helpful. <laughs> <laughs> just, just pass your tests. Barely helpful is the most dangerous adjective just like v i mean maybe on like expert or something where like there actually is a huge amount of variation in like the tokens you're gonna draw but like on standard or whatever just like pass your tests you don't need to know what's in the bag just draw it's absolutely insane i don't know imagine a game where you don't have the chaos bag dan that's basically what's happening with this i'm not afraid of the chaos bag ben i don't know why you guys are so afraid of the chaos bag also keep in mind that you have to find wendy's amulet which she has one (laughs) copy of in a 35 or 40 card deck (laughs) Good luck with that. Well, she gets Mr. Rook first. <laughs> so she can do for her. And then when she buys a second copy of her style, she uses that to get the permission. Right? <laughs> or Arcane Initiate. So, anyway, th- this is really not like a game breaking. I mean, it breaks the game in like a very harmless way. Uh, go ahead and, go ahead and try it, Dan. I want to hear how this works, but I, I don't think it's going to be awesome. Do you know that I've never played Wendy Adams in my life before? She's a great character. I just know that she's absolutely incredible. She's one of my faves. Yeah. She's really good in like solo and in multiplayer i mean you don't actually play her amulet ever you just commit it as a courage but uh you know <laughs> you do you do if you're being versatile versatile premonition windy it's coming yeah yeah i be guess well, it, she can be she can be versatile and adaptable so you know yeah anyway those those are the cards of a thousand shapes of horror i think uh i mean i think that just by arguing about these cards we've each experienced at least a thousand shapes of horror <laughs> And uh, and you know they they release <laughs> more least. they release more cards every month so we'll be we'll be back again soon to to be horrified. It's not just more cards that are arriving; it's the end of the year that's arriving, guys. It's almost the end of 2019, and we wanted to give thanks to you, listeners, for being incredible fans and listening throughout the year. It's been a wonderful game to cast about. And the Blackest Friday 2019 contest was really fun to participate in it was great to see all of your best autofail faces we had a fantastic time making fun of all the ways that you looked at those tokens in absolute horror and you know the catastrophes that might have befallen you it was wonderful to meet all of you guys at arkham knights and pax unplugged running that blob that everything event we wanted to just give a couple shout outs a shout out to colin george who helped make the friday blob team amazing and a huge shout out to Ehair and the Pax Enforcers who helped secure all the table space for us to give everyone a situated play space and successfully dispatch that blob. Was uh, was the Friday blob the the group that got owned? <laughs> it was indeed. As early as they got completely devoured, uh, unfortunately. Unfortunately, the entire universe on Friday night was swallowed. Yeah, tragic. Yeah. By the blob that do, ate uh, do, do better. Do better, guys. Well, I think they came back. And <laughs> I think there a lot of people that were on the Sunday one did the, or that were in the Saturday one did the Friday one, right? So they were a little ready for it. Just like in Star Trek, they jumped realities and they were able to uh, save this reality f- on Saturday from the blob that ate everything. Also, did you confirm with E Hair that they listened to our podcast so they will hear this message? <laughs> i certainly didn't they were just somebody nice at pax that helped you out <laughs> listen going into the new year this is going to be a big year for miskatonic university radio we we've got plans we're building a, a multimedia empire 
We're going to have an online presence <laughs> and an offline presence. Our uh, brand is going to grow extremely strong, far stronger than it currently is. So stay tuned for that. Are you just reading the and, Google memo uh, they send out every year? No, I'm look. I'm <laughs> I'm I'm describing plots that we have to increase our our synergy presence, and it's going to be exciting. It's, it's going to be really exciting. Man, what's that Will Weird Al song? I think you're just using all the terms for it. So so everyone out there, if you're listening to this, leave us leave us a review on iTunes or something, and talk about how great we are. Talk to like your friends or maybe like your work friends who like think you're kind of a nerd and who like you play like sort of normal ish board games with them, like Catan or something, but like you don't tell them about this game because like it's too complicated. Tell them to listen to our podcast anyway. Maybe, <laughs> maybe they won't hate it. You don't know. I mean, what, what's, what's the worst that happens? You know, uh, all I'm saying is do your part to help us build our brand because that's what we're all about. <laughs> Are we? Listeners, that's why people, <laughs> you know, just comedy could say and give us the thumbs up on Reddit. It's, it's that's enough. yeah, that's also you know, pretty. Maybe good. one day we'll have a Patreon or a coffee if, if yeah. it's not too much work. But <laughs> maybe we hope your holidays are fruitful and wonderful. And how do you feel about the card pool as a whole? How do you feel in the conclusion of 2019 that all of the classes have developed? What crazy combos do you think will come out of scrounge for Ben's typing something and it's throwing me off? <laughs> what? scrounge for supplies <laughs> comment wherever you listen to podcasts or email us at comments at mur.fm thanks for listening everybody and we'll catch you next year bye bye